The mobile hunter is obsessed with exploring unfamiliar places, and this is what our gear is designed to do. At Latitude Outdoors, we build mobile hunting equipment for hunters who like to move often and move fast. Whether you're an experienced whitetail hunter or new to the game, if you want to be mobile, we have options that are worth considering. Our saddles, climbing sticks, and platforms are made right here in the USA and are available at LatitudeOutdoors.com. Thanks for checking out the gear, and good luck this season. The rut, that magical time of year that requires patience, endurance, and precision to capitalize on that giant. At ICO Gear, we're continuing to innovate. From 100% windproofing to our dead, quiet, noise-canceling fabrics, our gear is designed to keep you better concealed and in the stand longer than ever before. When you're spending hours and hours, day after day, grinding it out, ICO is here to keep you hidden and comfortable. Shop ASIOgear.com. Welcome to another edition of the Life Outdoors podcast. Um, this series that we're starting today is going to be part of our Bibles in the Backcountry series that we do on our YouTube channel. Um, we thought it would be great to bring a mobile listening uh, experience. I don't know what you call it, but uh, a podcast that you can listen to that would go through each book of the Bible. Um, and we're going to start with Romans today, but we'll go through the book of the Bible and something that uh, hunters and uh, blue collar guys would want to listen to. Something that you guys could relate to. Um, it comes easy for me because uh, I'm a hunter and a blue collar guy. And uh, so I thought it would be great to bring this stuff to you guys to maybe help you get along in the day or or maybe help those long drives and uh, hopefully... It'd be something that is kind of what we're looking to do. Um, you know, we look to edify, educate, and encourage. And uh, this is part of the edification process. And these are things that I've searched out throughout my life. Um, quite honestly, I didn't believe the Bible was true. And so I, uh, because of the way that some people portrayed it, um, by the way that they spoke and by the way that they lived, um, I held that against the Bible <laughs> and, and uh, through a bunch of circumstances that I'll talk about later, um, I decided that I'm going to study it for myself. And I ended up picking up the book of Romans for the first time and reading it through for myself for the first time. And the minute I did that, I started seeing um, things that were I, I was being taught completely different than what uh, reality is. And uh, so I thought it would be great if I was able to kind of go through that whole um, journey through the Romans with you guys, the, the journey that I took through Romans with you guys. And um, maybe it, it would help you understand more about who Jesus is and uh, what he is doing. And the book of Romans is very down to earth, yet it is completely beyond our thinking so there's so many different uh avenues that the book of romans brings out in your mind that um it's worth uh going through one of the things that uh the book of romans does is it spells out the fact that what goes on in the world is um all at god's plan and i think we need to look at that because we're living in a time where 
the world looks like it's a very scary place. And it is. Um, there's a lot of things going on in this world right now that are not good things. Uh, I'll tell you right now, um, the stuff that we're seeing is very much uh, talked about throughout the whole Bible. Uh, when we see the rise of technology, when we see the rise of humanity, that is probably the biggest sin that you could look through all of the Bible. You could see where when humans start relying on themselves and when they start placing themselves as God, um, they're living out that actual thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. When they, when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then they became the arbiters of what is good and evil, which was a, a humongous lie because humans cannot understand the depth of their own evil, more or less um, try to create the idea that evil is something that is a figment of their imagination. And, and you see, that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's why we need to understand the book of Romans is because Paul's bringing that idea of, hey, look, what happened um, in the Garden of Eden, this, this thing of sin that's been brought into the world is this absolute thing that actually happened that it's not just some figment of a uh, human imagine, imagination. It's not just there, there's a truth and an absolute behind this thing. And we don't get to make that truth up. And Paul's bringing this to a Greek Roman type atmosphere, a Greek being, you know, in Corinth and Romans being in Rome and, and, He's bringing this forward, and he's singing, saying to, saying to people, he's saying, "Hey, look, um, what you think about the way that you think has a lot to do with your spiritual self." And we're living in that same thing right now, you guys. We're living in an age where people seem to have more commentaries about what they think about the thing that's going on rather than coming back to going, I may not know the truth in this, but we really need to get after the truth. And Paul's, that's what Paul does. Paul brings a bunch of Roman people who are postmodern in their thinking in a lot of ways uh, uh, to think, you know, the Romans believed in all sorts of different gods and goddesses. They believed in, um, you know, the strong idea that human thought is, is a superior thing to a lot of different things in the world. You, you hear stoicism and, and things like that. That came all from that. And um, Paul's saying that's not it at all. And that's why he's writing the book of Romans. And I'll tell you what, um, he's writing not to, to be like argumentative to the Romans. He's, he's writing to help them be free from that stuff. Because the fact of the matter is, um, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag now. This is what this podcast is all about. The fact of the matter is, is free, true freedom comes from living within the framework which God created you to be in. And so that is what Paul is calling people back to through the book of Romans. Now, you know what's funny about this is when I read through these uh, through the Bible and I read through the books, a lot of the writers did not understand um, – what the Holy Spirit was actually doing with their uh, testimony that he was going to carry this through for 2000s or for thousands of years, more than 2000, but for thousands of years, when we're talking Old Testament, we're talking thousands of years. Um, the people really didn't know what the Holy Spirit was doing through them. Totally. I mean, some kind of got an inkling of it, but totally did not understand that we would be sitting here, 
listening to it on a podcast later. So, with that said, um, why should I be the person that brings this to you? That's that's one of the things that I've been wrestling with is like, what authority should I even speak God's word? I I, I don't have any kind of. Um, it's it's a very sobering thought to think that you're actually speaking the creator of the universe's words and uh, that you're actually bringing this to light. And it's, it's a big responsibility as well. But at the same time, there's something that is placed on me um, to do it, you know. And I think <clears throat> I've figured it out. At age 51, I think I um, has, I've always been weird. Um, I grew up pretty weird, uh, all through high school. I was kind of weird and, uh, I didn't realize how weird I was until my son came home from the army after he got out of the army. And, and after spending about three or four days with us, he, he, uh, come up to my to my wife and said, Hey, uh, dad doesn't wear anything but camouflage. What's wrong with that guy? Um, and, and not that he doesn't wear camouflage himself. He loves camouflage. But I do. I wear a lot of camouflage. Uh, my whole life has kind of been shaped around uh, the idea that I love to spend time outside. And I, I, most of my clothing was camouflage because all the good outside clothing was made, out of, was made in camouflage. A lot of my stuff now isn't camouflage, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of solid colors and things like that. But he was like, why is he like he is why does he find um a lot of his peace in the outdoors and communing with god and um uh, quite honestly guys the reason i do is because there's not a lot of ideas that are put into um my time outdoors i all i have all i have to do is read the bible and apply it to the world around me now i could do the same with humans but when you start talking about humans, humans are finding things in this world um, from their perspective a lot of times. I, and, and not there's some great people and teachers out there that actually step outside of their perspective and fight their perspective all the time. Good pastors that are trying to fight their perspective all the time and let the Bible speak. And... Um, there's a lot of them out there. Don't get me wrong. But what I am saying is each philosophy, each um, idea, anything that's coming out in the news is coming from a presupposition. And what that means is it's coming from their own ideas about who they are and what they what they're to say um, about what agenda they're trying to pass. And the truths of the woods do not come from those agendas. You cannot. Put your own agenda on an elk and expect him to uh, play by your rules. You don't go out and yell in English, come here, elk, I want to fight. You don't do that. You you yell in his language, right? So you have to you have to bend your will, per se, to the will of the creator, to the one that made everything and the way he made it. Um, just you can't make elk appear where you want them to you have to go find them where the creator put them and uh because of the creator put those ideas into them the the way that they act the way that they think their instinct 
he puts that into him. And so you have to bend your will to his. And it's that's one of the big reasons that I like to spend my time outside. I mean, there's so many more, right? And so when I start really thinking about this, I, <laughs> it's funny because I really start thinking about it. And I'm like, how did this come? Where did this come from? Where did this come from? Um, it could have, you know, I'm sure it was driven by genetics. My uncles loved to hunt. They loved to elk hunt. They were big time elk hunters. They loved the elk woods. They loved everything about it. Um, you know, my mom, I was, I was in the womb in the unit that I loved to hunt the most. I was in the womb before I was born in November over there deer hunting with, with my mom. And then every year after that, until I got into the Coast Guard. So, and then every year after that, since I got out of the Coast Guard. So, um, this, this whole idea of where I get this from, um, if I was a philosophical naturalist, I believe it was from genetics or from my environment. I grew up around people. I grew up in Chiloquin where, you know, I didn't do what a normal, uh, quote unquote, normal life is in, in a city, you know, of American city or, or even American suburb. I, I grew up in a little town and I worked most of my life. Um, most of my high school days, I was working at least half the day, if not the whole week. Um, and it was always in the woods. Um, I was a worked in the woods as a logger, a woodcutter, and then on to be a firefighter, all of which those things you're still having to rely on the creator. You can't just uh, will a tree to do what you want. You, you got to work with it. Uh, same with fire. You can't will it into what you want. You have to work with it. And so maybe it was through that environment. I don't think so. I, I, I'm not a I'm not a philosophical naturalist. I don't believe that all there is on this earth is just matter uh, or else this whole idea of what we're talking about right now doesn't even matter. So where did it come from? <clears throat> well, I think it came from the spirit. I think I think I was born this way and I think I was born this way because Jesus had me born this way. Um, he put this into me and he's the one that uh, had me born this way because he knew that I could worship him in this way. And through that worship of him in this way, um, I would be able to pass that on to the rest of the world. And quite honestly, that's why we're here. That's, that's why humanity was actually born, was one for Jesus's own um, will to have a family. He wanted us to be part of his family. And so we were born into his family to be family members, to be like him in that. Um, you know, my kids are a lot like me. <laughs> Not completely, but uh, they're individuals of their own, of course. But they are Baileys, right? So that was part of it. Another part is Jesus made us in his image so we could tell the rest of the world what, what it's all about. It's really crazy when I start putting my life in that perspective because that is the perspective from which everything else gets source. Um, my own family, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with um, the people around me, my hunting, the guys that I'm around, um, the young men that, you know, that I mentor or the, the older men that mentor me. 
these relationships are all based on that one singular relationship, and that's that relationship with Jesus. And this is where I say that we were made to be this way. We, it, here's the deal. If Jesus is all-knowing, and he lives in eternity, and he is everything that is, he is ultimate, so he's everything that is, um, that's why he says that I am at the burning bush. If he is all those things, which he is, then um, we are supposed to come underneath that. And we are supposed to hold him in that respect. And that means everything that we do. That's not just a Sunday or a Wednesday thing. That's every day we are under the lordship of Jesus. That is that is actually the gospel. Um, the gospel is actually that you are, uh, that Jesus is the king of the earth and that he brought freedom through his blood on the cross, and he brings you along with that. And that freedom is to live out your days with him. That's, that's actually what the freedom is, and that is called heaven. So heaven is not a place that we go to. Heaven is being with him. Heaven is in that relationship with him. So in a sense, heaven is at hand the minute that you come to Christ. Right? He says the kingdom is at hand. And it is right there in front of you. And too many people, and the American gospel in some ways got off track on this. And um, too many people think that heaven is a place for them that uh, God has set up because he's their genie. And it's going to be the perfect place for them because um, they are, you know, after all, Jesus is just their servant. Um, You know, he just paid for their sins on the cross. And... Um, so they're really God. He's just the way to get them there. That's absolutely not the gospel. The gospel is actually that you are so inept to get to heaven. You, you, there's no way, even if his spirit, even if, if, if it wasn't for his spirit coming and saying, come to me, you wouldn't even come. That's, that's how lost we are. Heaven is actually being in relationship with Jesus. And yeah, it's not fully it's not fully realized yet, but it is fully actualized. And what I mean by that is the minute that you give your life to Christ, if you haven't given your life to Christ, uh, you need to right now. Stop this recording. Give your life to Christ because I'm telling you that heaven is heaven is knowing who he is and being in relationship with him. Now, it's not fully realized yet, but it will be fully actualized at that very moment. But that what it means is, is that you are now a citizen of Jesus's. You are now in his family. You are now everything that that affords you. It's like um, when you travel abroad and you get outside of America, um, you're a citizen of America. That, that stands for something, right? Well, way more than that, being a citizen of heaven is way bigger than that, regardless of what your citizenship is here on earth. So realizing this, this is um, the thing that we have to realize that this is why um, when people are utterly pulled out of their own ideas and their own kingship and and all of the stupidity that we, we do underneath that kingship, when we're pulled into that and then we start understanding that we are underneath a real king, the king that created everything, I know some of you guys are thinking this is pretty spacey and you can't believe that, you know, 
a, a man created everything because, you know, Jesus is fully God and fully man, and he was the creator. Everything was created in him and through him, Colossians tells us. Um, so he is the creator. I know a lot of people can't believe that, but if you don't believe that, then what do you believe about where we came from? Think that through. If, if you're having a hard time believing that a personality created persons rather than nothing creating personality, I would think that you're actually believing something that is ludicrous. If you cannot believe that, that personality creates persons, see, think that through. There would have to be a greater personality to create the personality we have. And thousands and billions of years, thousands and billions of millions of years cannot create personality if personality never existed before. You can't, I, I used to tell this to my um, youth group, and I'm going to leave it here, and, I'm, and I'll explain it later, but I, you, there is no such thing as nothing. Let that sink in a little bit. There's no such thing as nothing. Something always has to have had been, and that would make it eternal. And it has to be eternal. It has to have existed for eternity in the future and in the past. Or else there would be nothing. But there is something. That means that there is no such thing as nothing. Now think that through. If you have to rewind that through, um, this is stuff that I have thought through for probably I've spent 40 hours just thinking through that one phrase. But if you really think through it and you really let yourself meditate on it, you'll come to the realization that nothingness is a concept that is just not real. There, There's nothing to it. <laughs> Pardon the pun. But this is the thing that leads to um, thinking. And this is the thing that l leads us when, when we're struck with these ideas of who the king is we have no other choice but to pass that on to other people and it's not so much you know um the bible tells us to love god and love others and that's the two big commandments um and it's absolutely true those those are true things but we really don't speak the gospel for the people as much as we do love the people the reason we speak the gospel is because it's true because god said it and that's why we speak the gospel. And that's where Paul approaches the Romans through his letter. And um, we're going we're gonna to just cover the first seven verses in, in the book of Romans. So if you have your Bible, grab it. That way you make sure that I'm not lying to you. <laughs> and I'm not a very good reader when it comes to the, some of this stuff. So you're going to have to, you could follow along and read it for yourself. Um, but grab your Bibles, and we're gonna we're gonna read through that first seven verses, and we're gonna see where Paul is talking about that he's been hit with the the king of the world of the universe of the spiritual realm of everything, and he knows that he needs to as as once you realize that you have a king, then you realize that you're a subject, and when you realize that you're a subject to the king, you realize that you have something to do, and. That is actual freedom when you really think about it, because I'll tell you what, being a subject to a perfect king is better than not being a subject to nothing. And I'm going to say that again. Being the subject to the perfect king is way better than not being subject 
to nothingness. And Paul understood that. I understand it. And uh, so that's why we both want to tell you about Jesus. And that's what Paul's letter is all about to the Romans. To a, a people group that the early uh, people that knew God didn't even think would uh, God would even talk to. And God is so much bigger than our human ideas that, yeah, even Gentiles like me could hear the gospel. So let's pick it up. Uh, Romans 1. I, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. Regarding his son, who... As his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith in his namesake. And you also are among the Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Grace and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so Paul starts his letter to the Romans by telling them pretty much who he is. Now, here's the funny thing about this. If you know anything about Paul, um, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And by that, meaning that he, he studied the Old Testament and knew it better than most people of his day. But yet, when Jesus walked the earth, Paul missed the boat. He did not understand who Jesus is, which is a, a huge issue. And, and I, I think that's going on still today in the church um, or, or in churches or in culture is a lot of people have seen Jesus, but they still don't understand him. They know of him, but they don't know him. And Paul was that guy. And of all people who should have been on the lookout and, and trying to find him, um, he should have been the guy because he knew all the old scriptures and all of the um, prophecies about Jesus. He even talks about that in this paragraph. In Paul's day, he would have looked at the people that were talking about Jesus as being the Messiah and he would have been the ultimate in cancel culture. He would have threw rocks at people like that and killed them and called them conspiracy theorists and saying, you know, the Messiah's the Messiah's not going to come in that form. You guys are just off your rockers. And he totally missed it. And I'm telling you, if you look at the truth, and, and you just look at truth, and I don't care what truth you're looking at, truth in anything, truth that Jesus is Messiah, or the truth in things that go on nowadays, people who are under the spell of the tree of good and evil, eating from the tree of good and evil, who think that they know everything, that they think that they're the ones who can... Um, come up with what's good and what's evil. Um, you know, 
you've you've heard it before, right? Fox News says uh, we'll report, you decide. They're 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 absolutely going after that idea of the tree and good and evil. No, report the truth. Tell us the truth. That's what we really need. Um, Paul was shown the truth, yet he didn't see it. It didn't take him until his eyes were taken away from him that he could actually see the truth. Uh, it's an amazing thing when we really start. It's it's amazing, and that's figuratively speaking, right? It's not like he he saw Jesus by eyesight and thought, no. What what it's saying is is you have to rely on something outside of your own cognitive ideas for truth. Now, that doesn't mean, so truth is there and you just agree with it is basically what it says. You're not the one that makes it up. Um, I don't care. And, and you know what's funny about that is because if you think about it, um, a lot of science is made up off of observation, right? But what if you're observing things wrong? What, what if, you know, it's funny because there's been bones that have um, artifacts in them, like arrowheads in them. And they've carbon dated way older than what people thought humans existed for. There's coal, which they thought takes millions of years. There's coal that actually has pieces of uh, human artifacts in it. And they think that coal is a, a thing that is millions of years old. So um, the fact is, is, your observations are secondary, really, to what really is happening. Reality exists in somewhere different a lot of times. How many times have you w watched something in it and you thought that's the way it was? Maybe you got in a fight over it and it was the exact, you, you just observed it wrong. We do that constantly. I, I, I think you could look at a lot of um, what's gone on in the last two years uh, as part of that. <laughs> uh, there's so many things out there that are so wrong and, and, and yet humans are still trying to step in the place of truth and telling you this is the way it is and this is the way it is and yet it's wrong and it proves itself wrong over and over again i don't even have to talk about the things there's a bunch of stuff entering your mind right now about that so paul the servant of jesus christ we didn't even get through the first verse yet called to be an apostle set apart it's funny he he didn't believe in, Christ, in god at all it took god to change that in him and then he's the one that set him apart that's great news for us because that's great news for you. Maybe you think that you're not good enough to come to God. Well, guess what? Paul was probably the worst of the worst, and David was too, and I was too, and yet God called us. And he called them for what? It wasn't, it wasn't called them for being kings of their own worlds, right? No, it was called to come to the gospel of God, to tell other people, the good news that there's freedom out there, that there is a place where truth actually exists and people like it. <laughs> the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets. And th that gospel is actually um, promised through prophets. And I'm going to, I'm going to bring one of those prophecies up here real quick. Um, the prophets, the prophets in the Holy scriptures regarding his son. So he's talking about his son, and there's there's prophecies of the, in the holy in the Old Testament that says, "Hey, look, my son is going to be a descendant of David, um, the great, great King David." 
And if you look at, actually look at the first two Gospels, they go through the descendants of uh, Jesus. They go through his lineage, and it shows David on both ends. So if you look at both of those Gospels, just check it out. You'll see that um, through his stepfather and through his mother, he was attached to David. So let's just go back. Let's look at Psalm 2 real quick. We're going to turn to Psalm 2, and I'll show you one of these um, prophecies that it talks about. Because I think Psalm 2 is really cool because it actually speaks to a lot of uh, what's going on today. It's, it's, it'll give you hope. If, you're, if you see what's going on and you see the lies happening today, uh, Psalm 2 is going to help with that. Because it's going to turn us back to thinking about truth. And and who we serve, and why we're here, and all those things. Okay, check this out. Psalm 2, this really speaks really loudly. Why do nations conspire? Why do peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointing, his anointed. So look at that. That's globalism. Um, or you could call that the new world order in some ways. Globalistic ideas that are... Um, putting humanity as the top thing on earth. That's what this is. The kings of the earth rise up, right? Let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. So Jesus laughs at, at their ideas that they're going to take him over, right? That they're, they're living. What they're doing is they're living out the ultimate of what the snake of the garden has told them. And um, this is just, you know, throughout generations, this keeps going on. And it just builds. It builds throughout generations. It's like a pregnant woman. That's why Jesus says in Revelation that the end times are like a pregnant woman. You see it just building and building. And and we see that. And the one enthroned in heaven laughs. See, he's like, yeah, you guys, come on. That's ridiculous. And the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them with his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed. Now, check this out. I have installed my king on Zion, the holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said, you are my son. See that? And today I've become your father. And he's speaking of Jesus here. And I will make the nations your inheritance. The nations is a big deal. When you look in the Old Testament, the nations means everybody, not just Israel. And and Paul missed this completely until his eyes were blinded. Um, now he knows. That's why he, he looked at the scripture when he was talking about God's son in Romans 1. Uh, your inheritance at the ends of the earth, your possession. I will break them with a rod of iron. I will dash them into pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Celebrate his rule with trembling. Now, Fear and trembling, yeah, if you're outside of God's um, grace, if you're outside of the Lord, if you haven't accepted him as the Lord, you better fear him. He is fearful. But this also means something else. It also means trembling, kiss his son, uh, or he will be angry. It means to come underneath him with the same idea of um, having a lordship over you to where you do what he says. It's, It's being... Um, part of who he is. 
and the reason I say that is check this out. It says, verse 12, kiss his son or he will be angry. So in other words, come to Christ or he's going to be angry because he will see you as the sinner you are. If you kiss his son, if you accept his blood, you are no longer seen as a person who is guilty. And your way will lead to destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. And blessed are those who take refuge in him. So that's one of the prophecies that speaks of Jesus um, coming, the Messiah coming to earth. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, look, I missed it. You missed it. Uh, It's the descendant of David. He's here. It's the root of Jesse is another one of the prophecies. The root of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Um, Paul's saying, hey, look, this is the Son of God, the Messiah, who we've been looking for. Okay, verse 4. And whom through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power. By his resurrection from the dead, we just we just celebrated Easter, and that's what we celebrated. By the resurrection of the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So the proof of him being who he said he was, or who he says he is, more proper, is the fact that he is not in a grave. And if you guys, um, I'm just going to leave that here. Jesus, Jesus was resurrected came out of a grave, died a full death, along with that, killed death in its own. For those who believe in him, he paid the price with his own blood so they didn't have to pay the price with their blood or so that they didn't have to pay the price of life to live in eternal death. Uh, it's not like being dead eternally. It's like being in uh, eternity without everything that's good, everything that is God, everything that is beautiful, everything that you hold dear. Can you imagine living eternity like that? A lot of people come to that realization here on earth. That's why they commit suicide, because they want to believe that there's nothing after this world. And they think it's so bad on this world because they're detached from God that it's worth getting out of. I'm telling you, if that's your motivation for killing yourself, you're just heading for that for eternity. But there's a way out. The hopelessness that you feel on this earth right now will be multiplied thousands of times when there is no God. At least on this earth, there are still people that have God's spirit walking in them. There is still God's hand in things. But can you imagine a place where there is no God? There is no good? At least here, at least here, there's still some hope. And I'll tell you what, there's hope beyond this place. The hope of what's next to come in Christ is beautiful. And you could give, you want hope, give yourself to that. And I guarantee you, hope will well itself up inside of you. That It's like a seed. It'll grow a huge tree. The proof... That Jesus is who he says he is, is the fact that he is not dead. That he is living and actively working among those that he loves. And that's bringing forth change. And I've seen change in so many people. All you got to do is get yourself around it. He doesn't allow you to see it to believe it, right? He doesn't allow that. He says, believe it, and then you'll see it. And 
all you got to do to start believing it is is really start looking at the things that you hold dear and ask where those come from look at the look at the real stuff of your life where does that come from it's got to come from something outside of the fakeness that we allow ourselves to live in the true hope and the true proof is in the fact that Jesus is no longer never did spend more than three days in a grave. Verse five, through him, we've received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience from faith. Okay. There's three things I want to point out there. First of all, what did we receive? We received grace. What did, what did grace do for us? Well, grace is the fact that we, um, some people say it's mercy, and it's not mercy. Mercy is giving up something um, that somebody didn't deserve or is pulling somebody out of something that they didn't deserve. Grace is the fact that we deserve more. We deserve everything that Jesus took on himself. We deserve, by walking away from God, think think about this. Some people would like to say, well, God created a world where people could walk away from him, and uh, so he's not a loving God. If he was all loving and all knowing, he would uh, not have created such a place. Well, hold on a second. He created us in his image. So in some point, some way, we got to be able to have some kind of choice because he has choice, right? Because he has image. He, he, that's part of his image. He chose to create us for goodness sake. And then, and, and then if, if we didn't, if God didn't create us to have choice, then you'd hold him accountable for not having choice. God did not allow people to have choice. You know, he's just doing what he wants. Well, that's true, but you can't have both. (laughs) You either got to, he's either got to give us some kind of choice and that choice would require us not to choose him. Because if you choose anything that is not good and not of God, you're choosing not God. Do you understand that? You, if you don't choose God, if you don't choose a good thing, if you don't choose the very best thing in every situation, you're not choosing God. God is perfection. You know, somebody asked Jesus one time, what do I need to be? And Jesus told him, you got to be perfect, man. He did. He told him that. Do you believe? (laughs) He says, you got to be perfect. Outside of me, you have to be perfect. And Jesus was perfect. And so that's why when he paid the price on the cross, and then he said, look, I am paying this debt that these people cannot pay themselves because there is no way they're going to be perfect, but I will sacrifice my own perfect blood for them so they could be seen as perfect. And that's exactly what happens the minute that you give your life over and say, I cannot be perfect. And I've tried and tried and tried, and I've tried to build my own universe around my own perfection. It didn't work. I don't know where I'm going to go now. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the only answer to that is you've got to come underneath the kingship of God, come back to him. And he's, and that's what grace is. He's, he's provided that for you. That's grace. He didn't need to. He, he didn't have to. He, he, he didn't have to. Um, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, man, it runs its generations. And we want to be God. You know, when the devil said, oh, don't worry about that. God knows that it will make you like him if you eat from that tree. Uh, 
yeah, there's more truth to that than you think there is. Because the fact of the matter is, is you cannot, as a created being, actually think what is true and what is not. You can't do it. You didn't create the world. He did. So when the devil tells you that uh, daily, and and we buy it daily, um, we're actually walking away from God, and we're not perfect. And we were created to be that way. I don't know. Maybe this is too deep, too too hard on a Monday for you guys. Um, but look through it. Think about it. Um, we actually, a lot of times, that's what we're doing. We're, we're thinking that we are the arbiters of truth, and we're not. And just by that simple thought that we are the arbiters of truth, that has pulled us so far away from God that uh, the only way back really is if he did it. And he did do it. And he did it by the blood of the cross and by resurrecting us by that blood. And that's what happens. The minute you give your life to Christ and you make him, you, you say, I agree that you don't make him Lord. He is Lord. You agree that he's Lord. The minute that you do that, um, you are given grace. And that's where the grace comes in. The second thing I want to point out is um, obedience. So once grace happens, you're going to want to be obedient. It's funny. Um, I skipped over apostleship. That was uh, held for the guys that were being the ones that were appointed to put down the words of the Holy Spirit to paper that we'd be studying 2,000 years uh, afterwards. So those are the apostles. There's only a few apostles. <laughs> There's not not everybody is an apostle. But um, next thing is obedience. So this this when you understand what true grace is, then you're going to understand obedience, because that's the place that obedience comes from. A lot of people, and and you'll hear it all the time. A lot of people try to obedience think that they have to be obedient before they receive grace. And it's not that. It's the other way around. When you understand what you truly God has done for you and how gracious he's been towards you, you will then start being obedient because you have no other choice. It's, it's so good. It's good to be obedient. It's freeing to be obedient. And see, that's the, that's the big problem is um, that's another lie of the devil when he tells you yeah, you're not good enough to go to church. You're not good enough to uh, call on God. You're not good enough to pray to him. You're not good enough to, uh, you know, tell others about him. Who are you to pass on this gospel? You're not good enough. You got to be like a priest. You got to be like a Pharisee. You, you got to know that Bible so well. That uh, who are you to say any of those words? Um, that's what the, the that's what the snake tries to tell you. He tries to say that obedience is the first step, and then you could receive grace. But it's the other way around, because if you understand grace, then you understand that your obedience will be imperfect. Um, it will. Someday it'll be perfect. On the other side of eternity, it's going to be perfect. But right now, your obedience is imperfect. Um, you walk away. You turn the other direction. You don't do what you should do. You do what you shouldn't do. That happens. 
but grace brings obedience. And, and, and that all, it comes through faith. And that's the last thing I want to point out here is faith. And faith is the assurance of things not yet seen. And uh, what that means is the fact that you are going to do it even though you don't know exactly how it's going to end up. <laughs> that's that's faith. Um, when, when you know enough about the person of Jesus that you do what he says, even though you don't know enough about what he says on how it's going to affect the rest of your life, that's faith. Stepping out and um, doing what he says. And, and what's that look practically? Well, that's pretty easy to start looking at. Um, the first thing is to start doing the good that's put in front of you. Have you guys ever walked away from a situation and said, oh, man, I should have done something about that? Well, that's faith. If it's, 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 that's what's being spoken to you to do. If you do that, you're acting in faith. If you say, say um, somebody's talking some smack about Jesus in front of you and you know that it's wrong and, you're like, and you want to say something but you're afraid to and you just let it go, well, that's, you were being called to act in faith at that moment. Um, and you didn't act in faith because you, you put more faith into the world around you than you did in Christ himself, see? And we're all guilty of this. I, I reason I use that illustration is because I'm guilty of it. But the fact of the matter is, is when you start thinking about grace and you start acting in obedience, that faith, you're going to act out in that faith. You're going you're gonna to say, I don't know what this will do, Lord. I don't know why you have me in this situation and I don't really exactly know how to answer this, but I will, I'm going to stand up and say, that's not right. And then um, you'll be mocked and it looks like everything was, you shouldn't have even said a word. And in this world, it seemed like you were being outside of um, the world standard and everybody thought you were weird. And then when you're in heaven someday, some kid will come up to you and say, I overheard this conversation you had and you stood up and you said this. And I knew that that couldn't be anything humanly possible. So I started looking into that and it was the Holy Spirit. I found out later it was the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And I started looking at faith. You see, that's how this works. Just because we don't know the outcome, just because we don't know what it's going to cause, um, we do it because God says to, and that's what faith is. Just think if Paul was like, ah, man, nobody's going to read these letters. I, you know, uh, if we send it to the Romans, they're really not going to listen to us. Uh, I, you know what? I think I'm going to go on TikTok. I'm not going to do this. Uh, it's a lot of work. I got to put a lot of time, a lot of effort into this, and I don't think it's going to go anywhere. So. I'm just going to watch TikTok. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, but that's the truth. Faith is a product of all those things. Faith is a product. And and if you notice the grace, faith, and obedience, they all kind of work with each other. You, you can make circle a circular um, uh, pictograph. That's what they call those things. And, and put those three things in that circular, and they all feed off of each other. They all work with each other, right? Obedience, faith, and grace. You, you can't have one without the other. Um, they're connected. 
it's weird because, you know, the church says just come up and believe and and you're going to be saved. And that's real easy to do, man. You could still do that and not have obedience and and think that you're you're going to heaven. But the fact of the matter is if you truly believe of who Jesus is, that he's the king, and he's the king right now. He's not like the king that's going to come down later. He's right here right now. If you believe that, then you will be obedient and you're going to understand grace. And you're going to come to him because of grace. Um, if you're obedient to him, the only reason you're going to be obedient and true obedience, or else the obedience that you're being, all the good works that you're doing, that's obedience, right? All the good works that you're doing are for yourself. But if you're actually being obedient to him, those good works that you do will be actually his. And that's because of faith and grace. And that's the realization of that. So that's what Paul's saying here with his opening into Romans. Um, and then he says, he, he ends it up with this. And I, I'm going to end it up with this as, as well until we dive into uh, the next section next week. But um, to all who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, um, later on he'll tell us that it's just beyond this nation of holy people. It's not really a nation. It's a, it's a family of holy people. Um, grace and peace be to you from God the Father, from Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to leave it with that, you guys. Here's the deal. Um, once you realize that Jesus is the king, you, you have no other choice, really, um, to respond in that way, that to say, look, Lord, I, I haven't taken you as my king. Even, even if I walked up in a Billy Graham concert or whatever they are and, and came and said, I want to be saved, but I never treated you as king. Come to him now and treat him as king. Because living under the law of the king, living under the king himself is where true freedom exists. When you live out what you're created to be, um, that's where freedom is. You can't live outside of reality and be free. You just can't do it. I'm going to leave you with this one last passage, and uh, then I'll let you guys get going. But um, this is in James, and it's James 1.22, 1.22 through 25. And it says, Do not merely listen to the word so to deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. After looking at himself, he goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever intently, uh, oh, excuse me, but whoever looks in, intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it, not forgetting, uh, forgetting what they have heard, but doing, they will be blessed in what they do. And, Basically, being blessed in what they do means um, being blessed in the fact that they will live a life that is not full of all of the things that you live outside of faith. And when he's talking about the law, the perfect law, um, he's talking about the law that's written on your heart. And what that law is, is the fact that you are not, you are not the king of your life. And we all know it. The people that find that out 
and still don't give their lives over to Christ are the ones that look at um, this world as being everything that this world is. And they're the ones that get hurt in this world because this world is a horrible place. If you do not look at Jesus Christ for who he is as the king, you will not be obedient in his law, which is written on your heart. And you will not know what grace is. And so by being obedient on his law, that convicts you. And then not knowing that there's grace there and having faith in that grace, those are the things that create hell in your mind. Those are the things that make you live out hell on this earth. And those are the things that will um, multiply in eternity. So the opposite coin of that is those are the things that conviction that you know you got to give into, if you give into it and you say you are the Lord, those are the things that will bring you into heaven right at this very moment. It won't be fully actualized or fully realized, but it is fully actualized. And it will be partially realized. You will, you will now look at life through a different lens. The ob- objective of life is different. You'll have a presupposition that you are one of God's kids, you're saved. There is hope. Even though you're going through the tough stuff that you're going through now, it's not going to last. This isn't the best there is. The best is yet to come. If you don't believe that Jesus is your king, this is the best you'll ever see. All the chaos in this world is the best that you'll ever see. Jesus is not a God of chaos. Jesus is the calmer of chaos. He calmed the seas. And if you're in that realm of chaos and you don't know what's going on, everything around you looks like it's falling apart, and it is. You have to come to the king. Be obedient. Come to the king. Even if you don't know where it's going to take you, step out in faith and say, you are my Lord. Jesus, that's our prayer. Let me understand this more. I know that you're Lord, but let me understand it more in every situation that I encounter. <sighs> Lord, forgive me for the times that I don't, um, honestly. And Lord, I pray that these guys listening to this um, find some kind of oh, hope and peace um, in the world that's chaotic around them. That they uh, understand that, you know, it's not their government that's going to protect them. It's not their might. It's not the military. It's you. Because all that stuff's going to blow up. It's it's going to blow up. And it looks soon. But uh, we are covered underneath your blanket. And as we travel through this uh, letter of Romans, please reinstate that in our minds. And we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys, for listening. wild country rules were not created by man in wild country the challenge of what's outside brings you closer to what's inside don't miss wild country wednesdays at 8 p.m eastern presented by expedition enterprises it's gonna get a little hairy waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment